you guys are going crazy with the spiritual gift stuff. I think theology's for the clergy. I just believe in Jesus. Certain hermeneutics of eschatology demand an exegetical approach. I think you shouldn't question what you were taught in church. Isn't that blasphemy or something? I know. Theology. Theology. Unplugged. Welcome, everybody. This is Theology Unplugged. I'm Michael Patton, and this is going to be another Conversations with Tad. I'm so glad you joined us. Hopefully, you've been able to catch up on the series, or you've learned about the series, where I and my good friend Tad, we talk about theology. This guy is new to the Christian faith in the sense of where where I've been trying to get him over to the kind of evangelical theology side and um, really new to God in general. He's rejected God his whole life and has come around the last few years, really coming around the last few years. And uh, just the last few months while we've been doing this, come around a whole lot more. So he's he's got a lot of questions. He's excited. He wants to talk theology. And I thought, hey, let's just get everybody else involved because it's fun to talk theology with Tad. So let's go ahead and bring Tad in and get this conversations with hey, Tad hey. going. Hey, Tad. How are you, man? Good. How you doing? Good. You look good. I just wanted to uh, pray first because of all the great things that are happening um, in my life and all the great things that are happening because of this. And uh, I think prayers probably needed to keep, I don't know. And I don't know how to you're going to put me on the spot. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to put you on the spot with that one because I I just, I think it would be fun to put you on the spot. I don't know. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah. I'd be too good a friend and I've got to do that. You know I would do that. Yeah, yeah. If I were you, you I know I would not take it. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> but <clears throat> let me tell you something about public prayer, and you'll you'll gain this your entire life, is that so many times – Whenever you're praying by yourself, you can talk to him. And I've heard of how you talk to God before, you know, and you're you're very personal with him. I know you do because the way you talk about him. And so whenever you talk to him, I imagine it's not much different. But a lot of times we get very formal whenever it comes to prayer. It's like all of a sudden we get in this mode where we're trying to turn into whoever we've heard before that has prayed. And we feel like, you know, however they talked. And the funniest thing is whenever you hear people praying and they're, it's all of a sudden they're a whole different personality than they were before. Yeah, I mean, it's a, either a stronger personality, uh, a personality with a deeper voice, a more intellectual personality sometimes. Yeah. But usually somehow during the prayer, they learn King James English and start, you know, talking about these and nows and, you know, Talking in a way as if talking to God is some completely foreign language that he understands, or at least he doesn't listen to until you speak in this language. And so it's really funny. And I I laugh at it like this, not because it's so easy not to do that, but because it's so easy to do that. Even whenever you've been praying your whole life, you know, I'll be like, dear God, you know, we, we, you say, you always quote certain scriptures too, you know, it'll be, you say whenever two or three are gathered before me, uh, before yeah. you, uh, we are, before you now. are there in our midst and, before you know, now. just, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Start throwing out all these things. And, and it's, it's, the thing is, it's kind of like preachers, Tad. This drives me insane about preachers is whenever they do that same thing from the pulpit 
and they become somebody completely different. They become whoever they're trying to mimic because they like that person. And you don't see the real personality a lot of times with that. And that's the hardest thing is trying to just keep your personality. However, you'd pray to God with everybody else uh, or by yourself or however you talk generally by yourself. Um, that's what you want to keep with God because, I mean, it's God. It's not like he doesn't know you. It's not like you have to turn into something different or become some uh, intellectual person or a King James person or even somebody who is trying to act like you know the scriptures whenever we, whenever we don't know them sometimes. So keep God, that in mind. so disappointed in this. Is this okay, going okay. take about four seconds? Just if you, get, if you get in trouble, here's what you do, okay? okay. Uh, you just... <laughs> You just you just say the word Lord all the time. Here, here's the way to do it. Say the word Lord as many times as humanly possible. So say, Lord, we come before you, Lord, in order to, you know, I mean, it's just okay. right. over and over again. Yeah. So that, that's that's one way yeah. to deal with it. Lord God will be acceptable. Just God's acceptable, too. So I, so. Go, uh, I go to the meet the parents thing. What? When Ben Stiller was doing that and meet the parents, that movie. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. like, okay, Lord, this Lord, you know, remember yeah. that? <laughs> so that's that was really the different. greatest prayer. That was the greatest <laughs> prayer of all time. <laughs> yeah. Besides, besides, um, besides that, uh, uh, Talladega. Yeah, yeah, that was baby yeah. Jesus too. Yeah. Well, you're going to be very disappointed in this one. Uh, this no, is no, I mean, just if you want to say something, you can say it. I just cannot put a lot of pressure on that. Like I'll pray. You want me to pray? No, not anymore. Okay. All right, all right, go. All right, three, two, one, go. <clears throat> Lord, just kidding. Uh, no, just kidding. <laughs> 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 no, you were talking to him. He wasn't sure. It's, he got to say it first. So he's sure you're talking to him. You know, he's like, wait, wait, is he talking to me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just ruined a prayer. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, so, uh, God, thank you. Please just bless our words and our thoughts and the way we put them together. I've never heard you use the word bless before in my life. Don't use that again. <laughs> Lord, please take away the blessing. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> you probably, you probably think this is some sacrilegious thing I'm doing. I'm sorry. I can't help it. I'm sorry. I don't blame you. Anyway, God, you get it. <laughs> no, no, no. Go. That, that was pretty good. But go, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to met. I won't even smile. Just give me the right words to say and the right ways to think and give Michael any way to think and uh and, and and let all the listeners know that we really appreciate them in every single way and um it's a big deal for us to be able to do this and uh Lord thanks for blessing me amen <laughs> that was good that actually did sound like you <laughs> no seriously I was I swear yeah you I think don't I'm, what are you no, I swear that was good. It sounded like you. Well, that's the only it's, person. It's, like it's actually a relief to see that because here's the deal, Tad. I just did all this. I loaded you down with stuff that you haven't even really been that exposed to. So you don't you don't know that that's the way people pray. You haven't been around it enough yeah. to where you're mimicking anybody. You're right. just being yourself. So I should have I should have trusted. It'd probably be much better than ninety percent of the prayers that I do here. You know, my dog. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Okay. <laughs> Can I say fun. something about the that movie? That was fun. Real quick. Huh? The movie, real quick. Meet Joe. Ben Stiller? 
No, meet Joe. Meet, meet Joe Black. It's and I don't know if you know this. It's my number one favorite movie on the planet ever. It's Meet yeah, Joe Black know, with, with Brad Pitt and Hopkins. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> I watch it honestly every night. I've watched it this morning, um, early, and uh, we watch on Golden Pond to fall asleep. And then Meet Joe Black comes on after that because I usually wake up. I figured what, out what on Golden on Golden Pond. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. Shut up. So uh, I watched that, and, and but so this morning because of me and this, and and my relationship that you've brought me closer to, and and the people that are watching uh, with God, I started thinking about all the hidden meanings in that movie. You know what I mean? There's like a guy that has everything, and then death shows up. And De death was uh, Brad Pitt, right? Yeah, yeah. And so he shows up, and this guy's trying to buy time. He's got all the money. He's a, he's a great, amazing person, Anthony Hopkins. A great person. And um, they finally realized, I mean, what I finally realized was, every it didn't matter what you have or what you do, but what the movie tells you is the most important things are relationships. And the ones that he has that Anthony Hopkins has with his daughters are like unbelievable, you know? Yeah. And then, um, and it, it really got me thinking, you know, about what matters and it truly is relationships. And I say this all the time to you and you always make fun of me about being sentimental and stuff, but that's, uh, I, I, I finally got something out of that movie. I just watch it because I like it, but, uh, and, and Billy cries at the end of it every time, which is hilarious to me. But uh, anyway, I just want to say I figured out the movie. Good, good. I just can't uh, figure out. I can't figure out the word that you sent that you put on Facebook yesterday that we talked about. Um, Traducian. Traducian. Is yeah. that it? Traducian. Yeah. yeah. Did you yeah. want to talk about that, or did you want to talk about the charismatic thing? Because I know you've been well, talking about, about the charismatic thing. I want to talk about Calvinistic. I want to talk about that other word. I want to do a whole series on the the T word. The tradition? Yeah. And, uh, uh, all yeah. right, we'll start wherever you want to. Charismatic, Calvinism, Traducianism. What's, um, what does charismatic mean? Uh, and I didn't charismatic. I'd like to hear everything from you. Well, it comes from it comes from the Greek word charis, charis, which is uh, the Greek word for for gift or for um, uh, uh, grace. So charis, charissa, that's grace. So uh, grace means the same thing as gift. When you give somebody a gift, you're basically giving something. Uh, the idea is you're giving them something that they haven't earned, right? Uh, and that's what grace is. Grace is God giving us something we haven't earned. And so the charismata, or the, it's called the chrismaton, and the chrismaton in the New Testament is talking about uh, passages, I, I believe it's in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, and two other places, 1 Peter chapter 4 and Ephesians chapter 4. Four places, the only reason I remember that is because it's 12, 12, 4, 4, but four places it talks about, uh, specifically about Christ, whenever he left the earth uh, in the upper room, you know, where they had the supper, last supper and all that. And he talks to them for a long time saying, you know, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also me. Those, all that, that famous stuff. You see the painting. But he told them, I'm going to leave you tomorrow, basically. 
And I, but don't be scared because I'm not leaving the orphans. I'm sending the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will teach you and empower you. It's basically what he said, right? So the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. So basically he's saying, I'm leaving you, but but God is still going to be with you through the person of the Holy Spirit. And he's going to give you what you need in every situation. And then in four passages of scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Romans 4, or uh, 12 and 12, he says, uh, God, God has given to us gifts according to the power of the Holy Spirit, according to the grace that he's offered to us. Every person has some sort of gift. So whenever we talk about the charismatic gifts in general, that's a general term that simply means the gifts that God has given to you in order to build up the body of Christ. And so one of the things that I've always noticed about you, and we've talked about it here before, and I've said it, I said, you know, if if God would ever get a hold of you, Ted, you could be so incredibly powerful because of your gift of leadership, your gift of communication, your gift. I mean, you know, just all the gifts that you have, it's basically saying, I want you to apply those within the church for God. And once you're able to do that, the Holy Spirit will take hold of it and use it is what the Bible says, right? So that is your gift. Your gift right now, I would say for sure, is at least some type of leadership because you're a natural born leader. Uh, you can get things going. Your, your gift is also very much, most people have more than one gift um, in the, I mean, obviously we do, we have more than one gift, but in, in the church as well, it talks about, uh, let's say you've got the gift of, you got the gift of giving and you're a very giving gracious person, right? Give a gift of giving the gift of leadership, the gift of administration organization. That's not you or I, um, the gift of teaching, the gift of pastoring, which is basically shepherding, leading. I think you've kind of got the gift of pastoring too, in a way, because whenever I'm talking about the gift of pastoring, I'm not just talking about somebody who gets up there and preaches, which I think you could do, but um, somebody who really is able to see within the hearts of people and have is usually accompanied with another gift called mercy. And I, I know I'm using all these, I can name like 16 or 17 gifts in the Bible list, you know, from mercy to administration to giving and have all these gifts, but it's not like that's an exhaustive list. It's the same thing as it's basically a talent that God has given to you that he wants you to use within the church. Now that's general. That's a big umbrella view of what is a spiritual gift. Specifically what you're probably talking about it as whenever Whenever I talk about it, whenever you hear me talk about it, it's usually in context of this special um, grouping of gifts that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that um, are kind of these odd gifts. They're not normal gifts that you would just have somebody walking down the street have. Like a person walking down the street could have the gift of uh, leadership or the gift of teaching. Uh, not even be a Christian and have these things. But there's certain grouping of gifts, like it says the gift of tongues, the gift of interpretation of tongues, the gift of prophecy, the gift of various kinds of healings, um, the gift of uh, miracles, a miracle worker type gift. So those are the main ones. It's word of knowledge and and uh, and um, uh, and word of wisdom are both in this category as well. But generally, these are ones that require supernatural movement within God. I don't have to have 
God to exercise the the nuts and bolts of my gift. I have to have him to let my gift be effective to other people. You can't just do the nuts and bolts of miracles. You can't just decide you're going to speak in a different language. So these are gifts that you find in the New Testament that were at least there in the first century. And the debate is whether or not these this specific grouping of gifts called the supernatural sign gifts, supernatural sign gifts, meaning they're supernatural and they're given as a sign so that people know you're from God. Uh, that's why you do miracles. But uh, whether or not those continued past the New Testament era. So they could have all died out in the first century and the church never have seen those again. Christ and the apostles could be the last ones who ever did the working of miracles and, and prophecy speaking on behalf of God. Each gift has its own has its own session in it, you know, when, when <laughs> you and I are talking about it. But each gift just keep in mind that whenever talk, we're talking about it within most of the circles that you'll see me in or hear me in, we're talking about it from the standpoint of the supernatural sign gifts. I'm not a charismatic. I do not. Uh, uh, let me, I got to put this right. Uh, I, I don't, I'm not convinced that those gifts are still being practiced today. I'm, I'm, perfectly convinced God could, and he probably does it randomly sometimes. I've just never seen it, and I, I want to see it. I've wanted to see it. I'm not against being charismatic. I, I wish more than anything in the world I was charismatic. I love being around charismatics, but at the same time, I'm simply not convinced, and, it's, and it takes more than just somebody telling me they have the gift of tongues or uh, that God told me to tell you to me, you know, God, hey, God told me to tell you this. I'm like, how did I know God told me to tell you, or you to tell me this? I, I, how do I, I know you're a prophet? Nailed it. Yeah, that's exactly where I was going to go with this, is because somebody speaks in tongues. Yeah. I don't mean to blow that off like that, but I mean, I've been around that. I, I, you're going to think this is funny, actually. Uh, I think it was an OCS or something, and, and I was sitting next to someone that just started screaming out in tongues. And I'm like, what the you know, and uh, cause I never seen anything like that before. Yeah. And then somebody else <clears throat> like translates it. And I'm like, how do I know if that guy is just saying what he's is on his mind or if he's really translating what this person is apparently saying? And, yeah. uh, so how do you know if some, I mean, somebody's full there. And I, and I think, and I, and I don't know if that's, well, it, it could be, and, and uh, tongues is a, a notoriously hard one because tongues very well could be a prayer language. I find that in First Corinthians, uh, the 14th chapter, I think that Paul does seem to talk about the gift of tongues being both a foreign language that you speak that you haven't learned, but also kind of an angelic language. Um and there's a lot of reason for that that I that I think that that's true, but very, it, it's very the passionate. hard. It'd be the hardest one to say. I can tell whether it's a prayer language or not. It's kind of like if you started crying, you started fake crying, right? That's in a that's a language of emotion. That's a language of expression. Crying is an unarticulated language of emotion. So is laughter. Those are both very close to what tongues could be. Tongues could be an unarticulated. 
spiritual language that you yourself don't understand, but just like with laughter and crying, you do benefit from. I don't know. I'm totally open to that. But so therefore, tongues itself would be very, very hard for me to ever evaluate and say that's legit or that's not legitimate. Yeah, that's the other gifts are a lot more. Great explanation. And uh, I mean, there's a lot of passion that goes into it when they're saying it. And then there's only one person that stands up to translate it. So when you put it that way, you know, there could be a couple people and two, but I think, um, yeah, no, man, you convinced me of all sorts of things. That's, uh, yeah, why is there only one person that stands up to translate it? It could be anybody. And there's only well, one. Well, because, because Paul says that, he says, uh, do not speak in tongues in public. Uh, unless there's a translator, because the Corinthians were doing this, the Corinthians were doing this and Paul had to kind of reprimand them. That's what basically all of first, first Corinthians is about is reprimanding the Corinthians, but especially from chapter 12 to 14, where he's dealing with spiritual gifts. And he's like, basically you guys are going crazy with the spiritual gift stuff. Number one, don't everybody speak in a tongue whenever you go to church. Everybody's going to think you're nuts. So if somebody has to speak in a tongue, make sure there's an interpreter there that has the gift of interpretation. So there there may be that. I mean, again, you're not really sure about that. There, that's not one of those gifts that you can test. You can test prophecy. I can test miracles. Somebody comes up and says, hey, I'm going to heal you or heal your mom or whatever. You can't say, well, how am I going to know whether they're really healed? Of course you're going to know, you know, she's, she can't walk and now she can walk and you know, you'll, you'll know immediately tongues. Isn't something that you'll ever tongues is something that definitely can be faked. And there's plenty of people who probably fake it. Why uh, do they name the tongues? I mean, what just things languages? That's okay. Okay. Glossolalia, which is the Greek word. Uh, and it's just talking about languages. Okay. That makes sense. Speaking in other languages. And the first time it happens, it happens in Acts chapter 2, right after Christ. Remember when I told you Christ said he was going to send the Holy Spirit? But right before he died, he said, hey, I'm leaving, but don't worry about it because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit came 40 days later. After Christ had been on the earth for 40 days, Christ goes back up to heaven. The Holy Spirit is sent. And the way that they know the Holy Spirit was sent to them was that all of a sudden they could speak in languages of all the people around them. Whenever there were people from all over the world visiting Jerusalem during the Passover. And so all these people are walking by and saying, how in the world do all these redneck Galileans know how to speak the language, you know, I'm where I'm from and in Egypt and the, you know, the very accent, the very dialect, everything else. And so it was a miracle. Everybody knew it was a miracle at that point, but it's not usually used in such a way. Now I could, I could be on a missionary. There, there could be a missionary that I have come on and I, I you know, special guest for me sometime. Sure. And I say, Hey, tell me what's going on in, you know, the, the backwoods of Zimbabwe or wherever you're, wherever you are planted and how, how what, what is God doing? He said, well, first thing I got there and I, and I spoke in tongues, you know, and I was able to speak in their language Never done that before, never have done it since, but these people were, I mean, I was able to tell them about God in their own tongue. And sometimes you have little stories like that where it's a one of, and it's very hard to deny that it probably happened because why would this guy make it up?
<clears throat> like if I if I if I don't speak in tongues ever, does that mean that I'm doing something wrong? Like he's not going through me, or <laughs> does everybody speak in tongues at one point in their life? Or why? It depends on who you're talking to. I mean, I would say absolutely not. I've never spoken in tongues. I mean, I've I'd love to. That'd be fine. I'm not, I'm not against it or anything. I mean. Uh, I, if it's a prayer language that is an unarticulated expression of emotion that, I mean, I, I love to have that. I mean, it's, it's like saying, you know, I've never experienced laughter. If it's something like that, I, I definitely would love to, if, if God used it in such a way, that's it. But it does say that not, uh, Paul says, not everybody speaks in tongues, very straightforward in first Corinthians, uh, chapter 12. So not everybody speaks in tongues. However, there is a group of people out there called Pente uh, the first line Pentecostals, kind of the, the first wave Pentecostals. And they still believe that in order to be a Christian, you have to evidence that by speaking in a tongue. I, it's, it's an unfortunate theology that they have. And sometimes it really makes people insecure. But, you know, you, you certainly don't have to speak in tongue in order okay. to be a Christian. Two things. And it's quick. not, it's uh, not evidence. But can I ask you two questions? Yep. Uh, one is you, uh, I watched, unfortunately, some of our last podcasts and you brought up, well, first of all, I brought up that I, I don't like anything about me, but secondly, um, 613 commandments. We'll get yeah. back to that one. But when I said there's so much, it seems like there's so much work to go to heaven. When we were talking about, um, I think the animals going to heaven or something. Do you remember that? Yeah. And, yep. and you go, it's not a lot of work. All you have to do is believe in Jesus. Yeah. As a Catholic, to me, it seemed like there was all these things you had to do. It was like so hard to get there. And then once you got there, it just seemed like it was going to be miserable. We already talked about heaven, <laughs> but that's why I said that, you know, it's like, dude, it's just work. I mean, I don't want to do all this, yeah. but, yeah. and I, so I studied up on that because you got me obsessed with this. I studied up on that. And I think a lot of it is, um, Catholics are about serving, you know, it's a service religion is what I've kind of learned. And I didn't really know that. And that's probably where the, um, making people, you know, and if I, if I disappoint somebody, you know, the guilt that comes with being a Catholic and all this kind of stuff uh, as far yeah. as how I was raised, but yeah. Uh, and then you also brought up, uh, 613 commandments and I was yeah. kind of curious and we'll get back to this other thing, but I, that's, those are the things that kind of struck me, um, this morning. Or well, think, think of you got the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament. Uh, God gives Moses, the Israel, the Mosaic Law. It's called the Mosaic Law. And he gives them this first kind of overview of it, which here's the big picture of it. Here's the Ten Commandments. And then the 613 are those basically broken down into case laws and uh, and a little four, four illustrations. If a donkey falls in a hole, you know, that kind of stuff. And so the 613 laws simply have to do primarily with how the Ten Commandments works out, how the ceremonial law of Israel is to is to work. And so, uh, yes, it was burdensome. It was overbearing. Uh, the all that it was meant to be. It was meant to drive people to God to say, "We cannot do this." Uh, God many times comes out and says. 
It's not that I think you guys can cover all these commandments. That's not what I require. I require a contrite heart, somebody who knows they can't. And that's who I give mercy to. And basically, we're living on the other side of it after Christ has come and explained all this. Christ fulfilled the law. He lived out the law that nobody could live. He obeyed every 613, all 613 of those commandments, never broke one, went above and beyond, obviously. And then, and then afterwards, it's not as if we don't care about the Ten Commandments, at least. I mean... I don't do the ceremonial law of Israel. I don't, I don't offer sacrifices. I don't, you know, make sure that I'm having my feast days and make sure that, you know, on Sundays I'm doing it. I'm doing actual no work on Saturday, which is the Sabbath and, you know, following the law to a meticulous T the way that they had to. Um, and, and they didn't have to in the sense of that's how they got to heaven. It never was a way to get to heaven. It never was the way God wanted them to understand his mercy, but he just wanted them to understand their own sinfulness. And that's primarily what the law is. It Paul says it draws attention. It's a mirror. Whenever you look at the law and you look at yourself, you see how dirty you are and you see you cannot come to God on your own. And so that's basically what's going to happen in the very end. You know, the, the great judgment day in Revelation chapter 20, it says, God will open the books. Uh, there, there's the book and the books. You want to be found in the book, not the books. The book is whoever's name was written in the Lamb's book of life, which is whoever has trusted in Christ is written here. If you are found in this book, get behind me is basically what God will say. And then if you if you are not found in that book, it means you want to be judged by these books. Basically, you want to take care of all your sins on your own. You want to deal with you, you think you can cover them. So I'm gonna let you. God's not God doesn't send people to hell out of just some like some type of vengeful anger. He sends them there because that's where they want to go. They want to take care. He has to have righteousness in his in his world. And he'll he'll do it either by taking the punishment himself, or you can take the punishment yourself. If you want to be judged according to the law, then it's it's up to you. I mean, I don't suggest anybody doing that. And obviously you don't because you've trusted in Christ. But everybody else that's out there, if you want to trust in the law, that is up to you. But don't don't get don't talk about, you know, you would not believe in a God who will send people to hell whenever this is not what he wants at all. He doesn't want you to go to hell. Hell is simply you taking your own punishment. He doesn't want you to take your own punishment. And um, you say, well, why does he have to give the punishment? It's, it's the automatic consequences of sin. It's the automatic thing. And here's, here's what the punishment is, is you going to a jail cell with the doors locked on the inside. That's what hell is. And if anybody's in hell for all eternity, they're only there because they would rather be there than with God. That's how it's been from the beginning. And God lets people make their own choice. And so I know that was a whole lot about, yeah. about a lot of stuff there. No, but it's, uh, God, I just learned so much from you. Um, it reminded me, you started getting real passionate about on this one phase of it. And I started laughing and it wasn't at you. It was at you. And yeah, so whenever I rewatch it. Yeah. Know what's going you through your On mind. your 18th birthday, we were at um, 
Where was it? Oh, come on. Don't bring this up. <laughs> you right. in the spaghetti factory? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're, but you were just as passionate about talking about that as you were about the present you thought you didn't get. And, oh, uh, gosh. I won't, I won't bring that whatever, up. Whatever. Whatever. I mean... I came from a place where everybody drove BMWs and everybody drove Mercedes. I not what kind of car it was. <laughs> and I I drove a 1982 Cutlass. <laughs> well, I have the right to get mad at my dad. But you, you like you cried and you yelled and you got all passionate about it at the end of the table because you're like, this is all I got. This is, this is it. Is this what you wanted to talk about? I mean, we could have we could have done this off air all day long. Well, that's how I thought about the animals dying too, but you didn't answer me either. <laughs> no, no it's, not, it's just what reminded me. I'm sorry, man. Uh, all right. So, so we got ten commandments. Beat them down to. Hey, hey, hey! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Unless you want to keep on with either. No. Let's see here. The charismatic or this particular thing. Let's don't go to a new subject. Let's do a different one. Okay. Is that good? Perfect. But if you've got, no, you were going with the commandments. I shouldn't have cut you off. No, 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 no. Let's, no. let's keep on going with that. the commandments. I'm good. I was just going to reiterate probably. Okay. Okay. Well, well it, it, this, this stuff will come back around, you know, and it's like, yeah, it's sure. not like we talk about it once ever. Oh, right, it's right. It, Theology is something that just builds progressively. It's like, it's like a coat of paint. You put the first coat on, and then you're going to have to come and paint the exact same paint over again. And every time, there'll be something more significant. So it's not in any sense as if I'm expecting you to get it all right now. I could be sitting in some front of, you know, there's all these people that I'd love to sit in front of and ask these questions to as well, because I need new coats of paint all the time. I need to drill them. I'm worried about uh, burnout. Because I'm so hardcore on it right now, and I I, I worry about. I mean, do people get burned out because they get oh, so yeah. obsessed with it? Yeah. Well, I mean, people, people, talk about that. people people get burned out on anything. I mean, it's a yeah, personality yeah. thing. And you 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 have the same personality as me, to where yeah. it's very easy to just to dig in forever and mm-hmm. um, get burned out. You know, go overboard. And the burnouts will come, and then they'll go away, and then they'll come back, and then they'll go away. But don't worry about that. You know, it, it's but all. No, I'm, not, no, I'm like stuck in it now. It's. I, I truly feel like there's another. Like he's really kind of patting me on the back, giving me an attaboy, saying, "Yeah, thanks for sticking with me." And I feel that. The thing I can say about theology, I'm just trying to think of any pitfalls. One pitfall, of course, is arrogance. Once you get to know stuff it's really easy to get arrogant. I see this all the time. It's the worst thing you'll ever see in Christianity is somebody who knows all the right stuff, but is arrogant about it. You know, it's especially with some of my people that I, I, you know, uh, that are within my circles, which you, we're not going to talk about this time, but you do want to talk about sometime Calvinism. Calvinists can be so arrogant that I don't want to be around them. They, you know, they're know-it-alls and it's like, that's how you scare people away. I mean, that doesn't, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, you do. But uh, arrogance and then also sometimes apathy towards, and this is going to be a personality thing more probably, but apathy towards just basic 
the basic things of life that are really easy, you know, going out and helping your neighbor, uh, praying, uh, being kind to somebody, not being judgmental. You can know all the theology in the world and those things aren't even in your purview of your, your life. And it's terrible. It's an ugly thing. It's kind of the same thing as what I just said, but you get arrogant, you get, you get to the point where you're just not a pleasant person. And there's people out there that don't know a lick of theology that are clo way closer to God than you, because you're just, you don't work on that aspect of you working on theology is working on your mind, but you got to keep on working on your heart and you got to keep on working on your will, the progress you're making to, to try to do the things. I mean, there's people out there that are really, really smart. They, uh, they have a great heart, but they don't ever try to change at all. It's like, well, whoever I am is who I am, you know, and God's going to have to deal with that. And I'm like, oh, what are you learning from your theology? I mean, it's, don't you want to be more like him in your theology? Don't you believe that that's a better place to be, the, to be more like him? If you say, no, I just, you know, want to be myself and be more like me. I'm like, you're not learning a thing from your theology. And you start all over again, because it's all about coming to know him to be like him in order to be the fullest form that, that the most fulfilled that I can be. It's very selfish thing. Once you understand theology and understand transforming into uh, God likeness, it's a selfish thing because I want to be like him, not so I can be, I make him be any more fuller. He's perfect. God, God can't be any happier than he is, any, any more fulfilled than he is. He, he doesn't need me. So it's not for him. In the end, it's for me because I know that he created me with certain, with certain, uh, the, the uh, voids that need to be filled. And I can try to fill them with everything else under the sun yeah, but if I but if I fill them with him, then that's whenever I'll be most fulfilled and satisfied. So there's an old saying that Jonathan Edwards used to have, and we'll end with this and we'll pick it back up later. But uh, God is most glorified in us when we're most satisfied in him. And so you are, our goal is to be satisfied. John Piper took that as well and used that a whole lot. But our goal is to be satisfied ourselves so that he may be glorified or our job, our goal is to be satisfied. And by virtue of that, he is glorified because that's all he wants for us. So anyway. All right. Uh, <clears throat> there's a lot of stuff there at the end. Yeah, but, but I thought uh, it was good. You know, I, <clears throat> I thought it was good. I'll, I'll see yeah. you in a little bit. Uh, I love you, Michael. Thank you. All right, I love you too, man. Okay, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Uh, hopefully you got uh, something out of that. That was a fun one. That was... Uh, um, a lot of laughter, and I, I, I'm sorry if I offended any of you guys with that prayer thing. You got to understand, me and Tad were very close, and so this is something that I would say to him, just because I'm saying it in public. You, you're getting, you're getting in on our actual type conversation, but I think it's just funny. I mean, especially put him on the spot to pray in front of people. It's hard enough to pray in front of people, but he did good. He did really good. I mean, public speaking, public prayer, that kind of stuff. But he's already. He's already, you know, on the podcast here. And so he's already, he, and, and Tad's always, he's always able to be uh, what he needs to be in front of people. He always has part of who he is. That's why I've always said, Tad, God, you need to get Tad because he'd be, he'd be good. He'd be good. And 
I think he's going to be. Keep on praying for him. Keep on praying for me. Pray for this podcast. If you get a chance, and I, I, I hate, I, I just, you, you got to understand this is the way we exist. If you don't have any money, you don't have any way to support us, don't worry about it. It's not anything that we, if you don't think that we're doing good, if you need more time and say, hey, I do, but I want to make sure that you're making a change. This is one part of my ministry, the conversations with Tad. This is just one part of Theology Unplugged. But the ministry is, I mean, just humongous. We've got um, uh, thousands of hours of courses that are taught by scholars. This is the type of people that I go to and sit down with and say, hey, I need to ask you some questions. I have brought them in. They've had them teach their courses on the history of the Bible, on how do we know the resurrection happened on the New Testament, everything under the sun. That is part of what we do. You can find that at credocourses.com, by the way. But uh, we do that. I do blog. Go to credohouse.org. I know it's a little bit crazy. Credocourses.com, credohouse.org. Credohouse.org is my blog. Then you got the theology program, and it's coming into you in 15 different places. But uh, all of this you can find out about at credohouse.org. It's all under the umbrella there. Find out about our ministry. But also you can support us at the Patreon. So there's another place to go, Patreon. But that's the primary way in which I get my support. The ministry gets its support. And I need people to help me on Patreon. That's where I'm trying to get all of my support through. I'm about halfway there. Um, And so if you could, $3 a month, you get all kinds of great stuff. I mean, it's well worth the $3 a month, $10 a month or $9 a month, $25 a month. I mean, I've even got a person who's doing $1,000 a month and that is great. There's all kinds of rewards that you get for that, but please, please um, don't, don't let this uh, determine whether or not you're going to keep on watching this because I don't need you to ever give to this ministry if it's going to, if you have some type of uh, reason. Yeah, there's sometimes you, you've, you've been brought up around ministries to where this is all they're about. And I totally understand that you, you, you can't, it's hard for you to trust anybody. And I don't need you to ever trust me in that way as long as you listen and just go check and see what I'm saying, the theology behind it, the, the Bible, uh, if, you're, if you study the Bible, study the Bible and check up on what I'm doing, what I'm saying, and, um, and uh, hopefully you'll keep on coming around. But anyway, we'll talk to you next time. This has been Theology Unplugged, and I am uh, so happy you joined. Theology 